When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, what a night. Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Oh, What a Night, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. On the show today, Hunter Godson, Jude Summerfield, Sean Walsh and Dan Kilpatrick from the Evening Standard. Um, off the back of a Spurs 2-0 win away at Aston Villa that takes us into the international break. How's everyone getting on? Everyone all right? I'm ill. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's the black lung, Bob. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, it's, it's what you said to, to me earlier, Haynes. It's just, it's, it feels like we're so close to the end of coronavirus. I'm just praying that I haven't somehow sneakily got it. <laughs> but, oh, I'm sort of losing my taste day by day. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, oh, shit. <laughs> Everything oh, no. crossed for you that it's not corona. Yeah, exactly. That we're, on, we're on that, that the final march in the war. Do you know what I mean? Now is not the time to get shot. No, no. Shawnee, all good? Yeah, all good. I went to see some football this weekend that wasn't Spurs, so I improved my mood a little bit. Well, I, I did I see a little bit of you pitching Ivan Tony around? Yeah, I went down to Brentford. They drew with Nottingham Forest. Ivan Tony looked like a Premier League player who's just far too good for the championship if I've ever seen one. Um Hopefully won't be joining us because that'll probably mean that Kane's off. So I'll try and ignore that. <laughs> Glass half full. Um, Jude, yeah. <laughs> what's your end? Um, yeah, I'll just say, yeah, I had a nice weekend. Um, watched a load of rugby and cricket on Saturday and it was too late on Sunday for Spurs to ruin it. So, uh, yeah. That's nice. a very, very good approach. Very good approach. <laughs> and Dan, like, I mean, thankfully for you, off the back of having watched... Arsenal and the Zagreb game and then did you travel to Villa as well? I did yeah I was at Villa last yeah. night. Oh god thank god it was a win because that would have been a horrid trip home. Yeah I'm so, I'm so relieved uh, for, for a variety of reasons but I mean I've got to say mainly from a work perspective uh, <laughs> on Thursday night I was just really kind of looking forward to like an easy night I was off on Thursday I was like you know this will be a routine win and I can get my copy in for the website, I can file my piece for the paper and I can have a nice line tomorrow morning and I'll probably be done by 8.30 and I'll have a beer and I was working till like midnight and I'll be seven and I was just like, I can't, I can't cope with supposed being the crisis club tomorrow today. <laughs> so I was, I was really, really relieved that they put the crisis back on ice for the time being. Yeah, we did speculate. as to When you said to us all, it was, it, it, it didn't, I mean, yeah, it, it didn't feel great um, last week. And then you went quiet. We were like, oh, God, is Dan all right? 
Oh, uh, <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't um, in in some kind of uh, downward spiral of negativity. <laughs> um, I was just gutted about work more than anything. I mean, obviously, mm. I was I was disappointed. Suppose when I out in the Europa League, and it was such a famously humiliating night <laughs> in every respect <laughs> that anyone associated with the club, be it um, fan or player alike had to feel some kind of tinge of humiliation, I think, at, at that. But no, it was it was more that I was very much looking forward to relaxing on Friday and it just didn't happen. Why mm. do you think we didn't get any um, sort of player chat off the off the back of that? I mean, Hugo Lloris came out, but then from that moment on, there wasn't really any talk, was there, from any of the players in terms of them doing the kind of standard social post, like, we'll make up for this. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, I saw Toby did the club website and a kind of night to forget type. <laughs> vibe, <I> think, <laughs> or, or we'll put it right. Um, kind of fair to remember. It always, it always reminds me. <laughs> like, for, like, after defeats of, of the kind of Redknapp era, mm. um, me and some friends used to always try and predict like the headline on the, the club website. It was always it was always something like, after Chelsea, it was always like Bridge of Size. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and and it was always like doors will bounce back or something. It was like yeah. routine or, or Harry one of those days. Yeah. It's a bit more varied these days. It was always one of those days. It was always one of those days with Redknapp. Yeah, it was always one of those days. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, Luke, Lucas spoke to me after the Villa game yesterday. He, he he seems to be the man kind of fronting up at every opportunity at the moment, probably because he's playing well and he's obviously a kind of um, very much committed Mourinho disciple and, and there's obviously this this suggestion that that you know the, the dressing room's a little bit um divided at the moment but he's you know, we know which side of the divide he's on and um so he fronted up but I didn't notice the lack of social media action to be honest so that's quite interesting mm. it does feel like that was very controlled though right because he, you got Larice, you got Toby and then last night, after the game for Sky, at least they put Harry out, and it did feel like they were like, "These are the these are the cheerleaders that we can rely on to sort of get across the point." And maybe we don't want some other players coming on and giving giving uh, their opinions at this moment in time. Um, yeah, I mean that that's always the way it works. I mean, yeah. did, did anyone see Dave Heitman's piece in the Guardian about Harry Kane not speaking to the media? No, no, no I didn't see that. Okay, well, I feel I can say it now because the Guardian's written it, but Mm. uh, he did a piece in the wake of the Europa League defeat just saying Harry Kane hasn't spoken to the written press since, I think, before November um, and sort of suggesting it's it's not a good sign, which which I thought was interesting and and Mm. I I tend to agree with um, because Harry Kane would always kind of come forward and then, you know, do the mix zone in, in ordinary times or perhaps do a sit down with the Sunday papers or, or even just get on the phone to us after the game. And he hasn't done that um, for a while, which which does kind of suggest that he's you know, thinking carefully about um, what he would say if he was asked difficult questions because you know, broadcast or flash interviews after the game, you know, tend to be of a different variety. They just tend to be kind of, you want to hear from a player about the match and about the key decisions and, you know, maybe about, um, you know, things in, in, in the immediate term, not kind of bigger picture questions. So so that's one to keep an eye on, I guess. And, and, and Kane is obviously going to be doing England duty 
uh, this week, which which you know, spurs it's wet and wild, isn't it, Dan? When it gets onto international duty, suddenly the questions change dramatically and the narratives mm. just go whoop, 180. Yeah. 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 Well, it'd be interesting to see if he does it. When your press officer's not standing right next to you, it's like, right. What have I been wanting to say then? Right. He's a wanker. He's, a, he's gone. <laughs> you know who's really good for that is Belgium. Oh, Belgium's, Belgium's, a what? Belgium's a free-for-all, like, isn't it? It, it yeah, literally yeah. is Westworld out Belgium's there. Belgium's a free-for-all. Players turn up on international duty and they, honestly, it feels like they're fighting to get onto that press conference. <laughs> so I can't wait to just get some sort of news line out there into the ether, which is just amazing. Mm. Um, we should talk a bit about the game. <laughs> um, and it, like, it, Did anyone else have that feeling when it went to, went to 2-0 where you're like, this is good, but I'm still really... It's like, you're still thinking about the bad news, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think all of us were, were exactly like that, right? We were, we were all just thinking, yeah, this is nice. It, it, I think it probably not helped by the fact that it was just a sort of... It was a bit of a nothing nothing performance from Villa. They were very abject. They were, they, they, If anything, they rolled over and allowed us... They they'd seen what had happened on Thursday and they went, God, they need a, they need something. <laughs> give them a penalty and give them a, a really cheap bit of defending. Um, but yeah, you're right, Hensley. You're still left with a very sour taste. I, I think Mourinho said it, didn't he? He was like, those scars are going to take a lot more than a two 0 against Aston Villa to heal, and and he's and he's spot on there. Yeah, it's nice I mean, that whenever Tottenham win a game, you can always caveat it with a uh, yeah, but the opposition were really poor, weren't they? <laughs> Do we, that, do? do we need to stop doing it? Do we need to stop doing it? I don't think we need to stop doing it because Villa were very bad yesterday. <laughs> and Spurs haven't beaten anyone good for a while. It's just it's just a pattern, isn't it? <laughs> there is always I suppose the, the argument that's put back out is that you can only beat the sides that are put in front of you. And yeah. I mean, getting a win over Villa away from home that, that is undeniably a very, very good result. That's that's our our best victory against someone in the league. In terms of positions, since is it Arsenal? Or I think it's always since it was, Arsenal. It was it was eight out of eight against top half sides that we hadn't beaten before. Mm, yeah, so, so I think, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very good no, result. No, because no, Arsenal weren't in the top half when we beat them. So before that, well, <laughs> there you go. Then even before it's that, so, so it's a yeah, so City there. So it's a very good result, but the performance is. Uh, I mean, it, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. So well, let's 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 start then with with the bits that we enjoyed. I mean, um, I think we have to start with Lucas because we've picked him out maybe three or four times, um, but I feel like we're now seeing the wider fan base really starting to just accept that at the moment he is up there with our best players in terms of consistency of of performance. It's weird with Lucas because I tweeted yesterday that under Pochettino, like he had some really good spells where he was coming up with lots of goals and assists and big moments. And he was just generally helping the team. Like I can't remember too many bad games from Lucas under Poch, but he was never one of his like real favorites. And I guess that was because of the players that were ahead of him. But Mourinho came in and it's like his performance kind of fell off a cliff, but he's been picking him every week. And maybe it's just because he's just been tired the whole time. But this is now starting to look more like the Lucas of 18, 19, when he was a real menace, when he was, a net gain for the team instead of like just picking the ball up and running into defenders. He's now beating his man. He's he's 
being a nuisance again. He's really, really helping us at a time when we've needed that help. It's just kind of the embodiment of all the qualities Mourinho demanded after the Dynamo game when he came out and said, you know, I'm looking for the things that you would give in any workplace, in, in any walk of life, whatever they were, commitment, honesty, hard work. He just basically put us a fucking shift in. <laughs> um, really, really goes for it. Um, he always carries every loose ball. Uh, he's useful defensively and offensively. Uh, I think just after setting up the goal, he kind of was back at the near post getting his head on a, a Villa free kick, I think it was. Yeah. So he's, he's putting his body on the line and he's making a, a big difference in the final third. And I think the former was kind of always what he was doing, but he, he wasn't always doing the latter. Um, but he's really... Yeah, he's really developing an end product as well. And obviously he, he set up Vinicius's goal and put Kane in to win the penalty. So he was decisive yesterday in a big way. Do you, do you think... Oh, sorry, go on, talk about it. I was just going to say, confidence is clearly really playing a big part in his game though, because it, that thing that we've said about Lucas is when he runs at people, he is he's really hard to stop. He has very quick feet. He's incredibly fast uh, dribbler. And I thought it was quite impressive last night. He sat Matty Cash down and not many players in the Premier League will will sit Matty Cash down this season. He's a very good, uh, very good defender. Um, and I just thought that was a real sign of the sort of confidence that he's playing with at the moment, that he's willing to run at players. Because there was a couple of seasons ago, I think it was against Inter Milan in the Champions League. He was breezing past their defenders at a time when Inter Milan had a very good sort of defensive unit. And I remember thinking, God, if he could just... If he could take that confidence and move it into the Premier League, and I feel like we've seen it so little, um, but he's playing in a system now where he clearly feels confident, and yeah, I think we're seeing we're seeing the best of what he has to offer. So, I mean, should we, with that in mind, should we be talking about the team selection in the in the good section? I think probably. I think probably. Jose deserves credit for making as many changes as he did and getting a clean sheet and a result. It says, there's no way you don't give the, the manager credit for that. Um, it feels like he, it's something he could have done a couple months ago, though. Like I think we knew with some of the players that perhaps failed in Zagreb, we knew that kind of performance was coming. Like We've been waiting, and we'll come on to them later, but we knew Tanganga and Roden and... Celso has been injured, but he's come in and Vinicius just needed a chance. Like we knew these players had these kind of performances in their lockers to come out and try and improve things for us. It's annoying that we've had to wait to this point for I think we said that we had to be sad in order to react. It was annoying that we had to get to that point for him to pick the team in that way. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good point. I mean, why couldn't Tanganga have played right back against Zagreb? Why couldn't he play centre back against Zagreb? Why why is Lacelso only coming on as a sub? We know Winks and Sissoko. I know we're going back to Zagreb now, but it's just like it felt like <laughs> it felt like everything that happened against Zagreb. We already knew most of the stuff that happened there. Um, so, as much as Mourinho deserves a lot of credit for getting it right yesterday, I think you know the set. It's just what Sean said. It feels like we we knew a lot of this stuff already. I think the the bigger question is actually looking forward, where Roden and Tanganga are concerned, because. Spurs made a point of tweeting that Aurier and Alderweireld were ill yesterday. So actually, 
had they been available, would Roden and Tanganga have started or would it have been Aurier and Alderweireld? And if you consider that Son was injured and, and would have definitely started for Vinicius and then that Lo Celso's been injured and, and has just kind of come back in, then actually there weren't that many dramatic changes from Arsenal that, that weren't enforced, if, if that makes sense. So I think that the question will be, you know, if are Alderweireld and Aurier um, going to come back in when well and, and fit after the international break? I mean, it looks like Doherty's been kind of, you know, bombed out or he certainly was bombed out. Um, and we know that the die has been out of favour for a while, but I just, I'm just intrigued to, to, to kind of see whether, whether he considers those two a kind of medium to long-term solution or whether this was, you know, genuinely in part just an enforced couple of changes due to um, unforeseen circumstances. We do, we do also need to, I suppose, look at the league position now as well in the good, because I think, Sean, you might have tweeted it. It's like somehow we're here. And we're sitting three points behind Chelsea. You know, it, it, it's undeniably a, a much better place to be in. And I suppose, Dan, what was interesting there is that suddenly it feels like there's less wiggle room to make dramatic kind of sweeping changes based on the idea that, well, look, listen, this guy wasn't up to it, so I'm giving the, I'm giving the kids a go. Or I'm giving someone who cares a go because it's not enough to care. You, you have to sort of pick up the points given that we're so close to the top four, just in terms of what it means to the club. Well, what I suspect might happen now is Mourinho doesn't have to rotate because of the, there's no Europa League. He can more or less pick a similar team or the same team for the, the, the next 10 games. You know, there isn't a huge amount of pressure now, um, injuries and, and illness aside, to chop and change. So, you know, I wonder in that context whether we might have already seen the best of bail. You know, I wonder whether Delhi's going to get much more game time. Um, you know, I suspect now that Mourinho will go to what I would call the kind of fundamentals 11, which is, you know, the, the players who are going to track back, who are going to work hard. I think Bergwijn might be the, the sort of go-to first sub. I think the Celso might play the, the right wing role. And, and then the big question, as I said, is it's kind of, who gets into fundamentals 11 at right back and who gets in the centre half, you know, is that Tanganga and Roden for the rest of the season or for some of it, or does that, you know, see Aurier and, and Alderville kind of come back in, but you know, that that's, that's what's going to interest me because there, there, there isn't a huge amount of, of pressure now to, to switch things up. And, you know, you, you sort of fear for, for someone like Winks, you know, whether he's going to, you know, even get on the pitch again this season because there's not that that weight of matches now. I suppose there is just one caveat to that. Um, if he goes to the kind of fundamentals approach, will he then turn his back on it in four or five weeks' time for the League Cup final? You know, suddenly that, if you look at that team that was put out yesterday, I, I mean, we got the job done, but I would really worry about that defensive line against Man City's front three in the first half an hour. I I have to say, I think after the international break, we start seeing the games will start being practice matches for the Carabao Cup final. That's what I imagine. Whatever formation team we're going to play in that final, we're going to start experimenting with that sort of style against... Who have we got next? 
Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah, Newcastle. Newcastle. <laughs> Man United after how can we how can we out defend Newcastle? That's the real question. Um, <laughs> That's a horrific game. <laughs> I, God. Yeah, I think I tweeting down on a Sunday afternoon to watch first Newcastle. Imagine if that's at seven fifteen. I can't remember what time it is. If that was seven fifteen on Sunday evening, it's just but... almost unfair to people. Seven fifteen in Newcastle. You going to that one, Dan? Yeah. No. <laughs> Dan, Dan cycling, cycling to that one. Oh God, I've turned up at the Newcastle training ground. <laughs> I did once go to Newcastle. I was promised a, a big interview with DeAndre Yedlin uh, when I was at ESPN, and I got the train up. I got ten minutes with DeAndre Yedlin, and it, it was a six-hour round. No, about an eight-hour round trip. By the time I got to King's Cross, oh. uh, ten minutes with DeAndre. Uh, well worth it, though. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was good. It was good stuff. Tells a very similar story about that of going all the way to Newcastle to go and do an interview with Andy Carroll, who then, whilst the cameras were set up and the lighting was all set, came into the room and just sort of said, Nah, don't fancy it. (laughs) And went home. (laughs) Had to do do the three hour train all the way home. Absolutely incredible. Um, Let's talk about that first 30 minutes um, while we're just on that subject because. We didn't start like a side that was looking to put everything right straight away and, and fire back with lots of passion and intensity. Um, what, what do people make of that first period? It was fairly disjointed, wasn't it? We sort of we sort of mentioned it on our WhatsApp group. There. It sort of looked like a, a bunch of players who were trying quite hard but didn't have any real plan to, to move the ball up the pitch. Lots of players sort of taking the ball and running it individually. But as usual, we're getting to the edge of the area and, and it wasn't really sticking with Vinicius. His first touch is still not not great. Um, uh, the only player who was sort of making it together quite nicely was Harry Kane in that, that you know, he was playing, playing slightly behind Vinicius. The 4-4-2 and a 4-5-1 at times, wasn't it? It, it? it worked at times. It was interesting to see something different. I've wanted to see them on the pitch together. So I think he deserves props for getting them on and and getting the getting the result I liked what Lo Celso did I said I think I said to you guys I really he's just neat in possession and he and where it's Lamella, lovely to watch isn't he yeah like really lovely to watch well Lamella still continually takes that extra touch he plays the ball and that that for me is the difference between them um so it it felt like yeah, we're playing all right here. We played some football, but I really didn't see how we were going to score. So it was quite nice of Martinez to absolutely balls it up. And then Lucas Moura <laughs> does really well. He does really, really well. And the fact that the one thing I think you can say about the Spurs team is that too many players play the ball and then don't keep moving. Well, Lucas Moura's played the ball and then he's gone and got it back and created the opportunity. Really deserves massive credit for that. And, uh, and, uh, and it, that seemed to settle the squad massively after... After that, we we sort of just we looked very calm in possession, if if not slightly blunt at the top end of the pitch. It was it did it was a big exhale moment, wasn't it? Mm. Just sort of just yeah. like oh, okay, yeah. right. <laughs> relax just a little bit. Um, because you do get the impression that off the back of that first half hour, if Villa had scored suddenly, like it could have got it could have got bad really really fast. Um, let's let's move on to the ugly. Uh, I think we have to talk about Mourinho's 
social post with my boys are still my boys, mm. John Terry. Now, I've I've been a champion of Jose's Instagram for <laughs> since he started it. But that one is that one is um, I, that's a danger that. I have never felt more like your dad in my entire life looking at a social media post. <laughs> like because I, th- I think when like when footballers post something like after a loss, like if they're just getting on their normal lives or something, I think that's just it's a bit overblown like the story behind it. But and I, got, I was, I was going to give Jose some lenience in that if he saw John Terry in the moment and he hugged him or whatever, then that's you know he's seeing someone he's worked with for so many years and you, you can appreciate that. But with everything that happened last week with the mood in the club that the mood that generally Jose sets as well. And to come out and to have made the change that he did to his team with his boys and then to put that on Instagram with well-known Chelsea legend who hates Spurs and Spurs hate him and all this kind of stuff. It was just like, the thing is, I was, I was going to say read the room. He is reading the room. He knows what he's doing. It was a bit of a Jolie and Lescott moment, wasn't it? It was just like, we don't really need to see a picture of your car right now, Jose, or, <laughs> or, or what you've won before. We've just gone out of the Europa and lost to Arsenal. Read the, yeah, read the room a little more. Give us it, something like, I don't know, Moo Cammy. I don't know. <laughs> it was literally Joe Hart job done. We've had two in a week. That's, that's unacceptable. <laughs> it, it was the fact that he was singing singing sweet nothings into his ear for about five minutes after the game as well. It was... It was a, yeah, it was weird. It was weird. It was, it was like, as Sean said, sort of like read the room. You know, you know, you know our feelings towards John Terry, and John Terry knows knows our club quite well. Jose Mourinho must know about that. Yeah. Can, can I throw this out into the mix as well? I like, I one, I was, I was pretty peeved about this. Like, I was really quite annoyed about it, and I was going to try and not be, but it really annoyed me a lot. Primarily, well, because it's John Terry, but also because earlier on in the season, I got such joy from Jose Mourinho sticking it to Frank Lampard mm, on the touchline, yeah. going and telling him to shut up. I didn't see you talking last week when Jurgen Klopp told you to sit down, so don't talk now, mm. or something to that effect. And I was like, okay, you're you're embodying what you said about wearing the pajamas, about being like when you join this club, you have to be Spurs through and through. That needs to remain consistent. And, mm. uh, and just for me, who's someone, when I'm watching Spurs, I only see Spurs, you know. I'm not sitting there and being like, oh, I'm really enjoying watching Aston Villa play. <laughs> whenever it's anyone else, whenever, I love watching Aston Villa play whenever they're playing anyone else. But against Spurs, that goes out the window. And mm. I want that to go out the window for Jose on match day, you know. Mm. I want that to, to go out the window for him as well. So it really it really did bug me. I don't Well, maybe I'm going a little bit too far. What do you think, Dan? <laughs> It didn't annoy me that much. I mean, <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I'm, relax, not on, I'm not on Instagram for one thing. Um, well, not really. I've, I actually have recently, I found your account, mate. Don't yeah, worry. I've, I've recently made made an Burner. account to start posting pictures of my cat. Um, I'm glad you said but, cat. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think I was going to say? I heard the big C there, and I thought, oh god, yeah. surely yeah. not. Not another bad bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I haven't got anything more to add, really. I mean, I think, yeah, maybe, maybe it was it was not a great reading of the room in the context of what's happened in the last week. But obviously, his relationship with Terry is pretty kind of well-established and what they achieved together. And I think, 
Um, I think probably he doesn't see Terry as, as a direct rival as much as he saw Lampard in that way, mm. um, given that A, Lampard was the actual manager rather than the assistant, and B, he was at a, another London club and a big rival. Um, but yeah, I think there, there might well be an element of, of kind of, you know, Mourinho's pissed off with his players. He, he, he made no secret of that in his interview uh, with us and with Sky post-match. They were both really loaded. Uh, so he probably knows that you know, by reminding everyone that he had this kind of defensive stalwart who, for all his massive character flaws, was a genuine leader on the pitch. Um, he, he probably thinks it's a good time to, to remind people of, of kind of the, the levels he expects, uh, you know, from his players in terms of those fundamentals that we mentioned before, you know, putting a bloody shift in. Does sort of help that John Terry is widely regarded as one of the best centre backs in Premier League history, though, isn't it? Like, unlike Eric Dyer, who I don't think will go down with quite the same acumen. No, but then I, I, I don't think Thursday was about being a good player. I kind of agree with, with Mourinho. I mean, all Spurs really had to do in that game was, was kind of just turn up and, and want it enough. And they were playing, you know, a team from the 19th ranked league in Europe. They would have got over the line. So I, I do think the problem was was those kind of intangibles like desire and and, and work rate. Um, and Terry wasn't the most naturally gifted. He wasn't Rio Ferdinand, but he did. I don't know why I'm eulogising about John Terry here. How about this? Yeah, what's wrong with you? Love him. I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, just absolutely love him. love him. I don't like John Terry, but my fight is... He's not going to shag you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he was bloody brilliant, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Dan actually oh, loved that Insta post. That's the reason he joined. He joined Insta last night after seeing it trending on Twitter. Is there a super like feature? Yeah, on exactly. The... <laughs> <laughs> one, one... I match with Terry. Can I match? <laughs> one one thing I wanted to add into the ugly, and it's not really to do with us at all. In fact, it's not. It's more about how bad Villa are without Jack Grealish. And it, the drop-off without him is is quite astounding. And it does make you wonder, how good is Jack Grealish? And the answer is probably incredibly good, right? Would you say he's worth more than four million? <laughs> not, if you chuck, not if you chuck on her in there, of course. Uh, yeah, I saw Mourinho sort of ruling Spurs out going for him, which, I mean, I don't know why I expected anything less, but it would it just... Uh, he's one of those footballers who you'd watch him at any club. And I think I'd watch any club to see Jack Grealish play. I think he's absolutely fantastic. And I didn't Many mind his I didn't mind his tracksuit. Get over it. Now. I don't I didn't mind it either. I didn't oh. enjoy the, the 10 minutes Hawthorne and Neville spent going on about it. like guys, I pay 100 billion quid a week for <laughs> you know. I did quite Passion enjoy insight. <laughs> if I Sean's giving you the seal of approval, then Grealish should be worried. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I did quite enjoy listening to two gents who are not kind of in their 20s sort of dance around the idea of how can we somehow mock this without being accused of being <laughs> arseholes, basically. Yeah. They sort of like threw it onto each other, which was mm. great. Um, just, just on the ugly, we should just finish this section with a, a kind of touch on the players that we talked about earlier on. So it was... Alvaro, that was supposedly ill. It was um, uh, Aurier, who was ill as well. Doherty was dropped <clears throat> out of the matchday squad. Um, we saw 
Bale not come on. We saw Delhi not come on. We saw Delhi wearing a pair of Joe Hart's goalie gloves. <laughs> um, we uh, was there anyone else in there that we sort of felt like ah, that's not Winks a good was look. dropped from the squad Winks. as well. Sorry, Winks dropped from the squad as well. Yeah. Um, I don't. What were people's thoughts on that? Do they think that's kind of the right way to go about it? Does the win kind of cover over that? Is there any argument now to the contrary? Things we won two 0 With well, a... I'm going to let you take this. All right. <laughs> with just with Lacelso and Lucas playing out wide, it seemed like there's a much bigger emphasis on players who were just run for 90 minutes being included rather than the likes of Delhi and Gareth, who, like, Gareth Bell's been brilliant over the last month or so. Um, but in those games where Spurs have had the ball and have had that little bit more freedom to get forward and um, and for him to get in the box, but it seemed like including Lacelso and Mora and just having them run just laps around Villa Park um, was like that direct message of I want these guys out there being my troops and like bleeding for me rather than having that flair on the pitch. It's an interesting crossroads, isn't it? Really interesting I thought, crossroads. I do feel like the, the squad's maybe in a comparable position to when Pochettino came in in that it's I think it's a really good squad fundamentally I think there's there's loads of good players in there but Pochettino had to kind of freeze out uh, uh, the the Kabul Cabal right like a, a sort mm. of group of, of senior players who were <laughs> I have never heard that name well that is amazing I, I can't take credit for that it's from a from a WhatsApp group um, I'm in but um, <laughs> The um, yeah, it felt like there was this this kind of group who he quickly sort of lost patience with. I think it was Kabul, Kapu, and Ali Bayor really. But then you know a few others followed. Like eventually, was that Bentaleb? Bentaleb well. followed, and you know Andrew Townsend obviously as well. And then there were others. Um, and yeah, you know, but but fundamentally, he had the building blocks for for you know a great team already at the club. And it's hard to put your finger on on a kind of who might be the issue and, and I don't want to name any names because I, I honestly don't know but you know just going on Loris's interview and, and then going on Mourinho's slightly cryptic interview with Sky where he talked about kind of player agents and outside influences you know it does feel like probably there are a few elements of the squad that just aren't happy at the moment and, and probably need a change of scene um yeah, I, I don't know who they are. I also think it, it's probably partly some deflection, some kind of clever deflection from Mourinho to, to you know, take the heat off himself and his players. So there's, there's probably an element of that. But yeah, it, it's, you feel like, particularly based on, on what Laurie said that felt very honest, you feel like there are, there are some sort of um, rotten factions in the dressing room at the moment. Yeah, and only now only 10 games to go could be sort of um, quite a telling period of time couldn't it giving us a steer towards what's going to happen in the summer let's just uh, finish up on on the beautiful bit so um, Vinny Celeb I thought was really nice I thought that was a a genuinely quite nice moment seeing a guy who you can see absolutely desperate for that opportunity and desperate to get that goal and I mean that very much backs up what, what Mourinho was saying and then We've got to look at Harry Kane's stats again, Sean. I mean, the, the stats just 
are phenomenal. He now leads the way in assists, leads the way in goals as well. Even at a time when when Spurs haven't been performing that well, somehow he's still um, a bit of a beacon to the rest of the league. Yeah, it's amazing. I think I think that he's clawed his way back into the player of the year race. I thought it was done. I thought Bruno was going to get it without too much problem. But if Kane can keep this up, say Kane finishes the season with at least 20 goals in the Prem and the most assists, say Spurs, Spurs somehow qualify for the Champions League via the top four, then that's amazing. I think that would massively help us here. But say we don't, just don't fall apart, then I think he's got a real shout of that and that'll be really good for him heading, heading into the Euros and it will, it might be able to like put some shine on a nice season if even if we don't win the League Cup, which I'm not expecting us to, but you Who know, if Kane get ahead of him currently, Sean? Bruno. I honestly think it's just Bruno. Gundogan. I don't think yeah. I don't think Gundogan. Like I think Diaz. I, I did a yeah, I did an article like a few weeks ago Diaz. which got a, few, a bit of backlash, but it's like no defenders. I think sit, sit, yeah, no <laughs> defenders, but generally City's the reason City are top is because they're the best team and it's not really about the individuals apart from the Bruno who's just like this kind of level above when he plays, but he's been injured for two months. Um but yeah, I think it's now just between Bruno and Kane. Mm. It's still, it's still like, I mean, he's still got enough time. It would kind of, mm. it'd be very, very difficult not to give it to Harry Kane if he scored 20 plus goals um, in the league and then got up near 20 assists as well. That would be one of the best individual records mm. that the league's ever seen, you know? No, no player in the Prem has ever, I, th- I need to double check, but I don't think any, any player in the Prem has ever led goals and assists in the same season. Wasn't it on? Did Henri not? Henri was one off with goals when he got top of the assist. Oh, really? So, who beat him that year? Was it Shearer? Uh, Banistero. Banistero. Wow. The classic. Yeah. Hell of a record to, to go and beat. Did anyone else have anything else for the beautiful? I just want, I wanted to stick Jeff at Tanganga in there. I just, I think whenever he comes in, he looks like the best defender we have. And, you know, I know he sort of, again, he sort of embodies everything that Mourinho is looking for at the moment, which is sort of effort, putting your body on the line, really throwing yourself about, heart on your sleeve. But he's also technically really good. Uh, He's a good dribbler. I've probably underestimated it. It was a couple of touches yesterday where he completely took uh, Villa players out of the game. He's fast. He can get down that wing. He's clearly got an engine. He can get up and down. I know the club think he can play right back. Um, So... I think he deserves massive props because he just manages to come into whatever team and perform. And I really think he deserves to be getting more time at the moment. Um, I think I think a lot of Spurs fans would be willing to watch him make the odd mistake in the effort to sort of right. Let's start, if we if we're saying Doherty and Aurier are whatever, let's start let's start giving him uh, games at right back. And um, I think one thing a moment that really summed it up yesterday. I think Sean said it before we started was. Barkley had a shot on the edge of the area and Sissoko sort of jogged out towards the ball, put a foot out and behind him, Tanganga's gone full body on the floor, takes it in the chest and it goes out for it. And I think Barkley's really celebrating and he looked looked gutted that it didn't go in. But that sort of sums up where he is as a player and and, and how he wants to do for the club. And, it, you know, we do need players like that. You know, we do need players who, who are really willing to do that. So I think he deserves to be in there this week. He doesn't get drafted in for uh, for easy games either, does he? Like last season, it was oh, we're just going to throw you in against Liverpool, and earlier this season, it was like yeah, we're going away to City. You're going to play right back, <laughs> and he he does always perform. Like he um 
yeah, he's as Santa says, he's always our best defender or close to it. So, yeah, I don't I think, think there's either... enough there, isn't there, Jude? As well, there's enough there that you think someone who's an incredibly raw and talented young guy can add in and refine the bits that you need to be a top defender. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, he's he looks like a technically sound player as well, and um, I can't remember who it is, but I think I've seen somebody saying, you know, he's he's brilliant going forward as well. Um, it might have been Chris from Windy Coys who who loves that stuff. Um, I don't think we've really seen it. <laughs> he, loves all, he loves all that stuff. <laughs> what's, that, what's that like? Football and that, Jude. Yeah, football and that. Youth football. Youth football. Um, no, we haven't really seen it for for Spurs in like an attacking sense. I think maybe he came close to scoring against Barra in the cup last season, but that was it. Yes, yeah, when he um, ran the length of the pitch almost. That was great. Yeah. Yeah, but he's got passion as well. P A S H U N. We need more of that. It's all we want to see at the moment. Right, we've got a, a couple of weeks to relax and just kind of sit on this one for a while. And we can look at the league position and take a lot of heart from that and slowly try and forget losing the North London derby and going out of the Europa League. Um, should we ask for questions? Should we, should we get in some cues? Let's do a Q&A one this week because it was quite good last time. Yeah, I enjoyed that. And feel free mm. to make them a bit weird and wonderful as well. Yeah, like with, yeah t- nice evergreen questions. Yeah. It doesn't really have to be to about this. <laughs> it doesn't have yeah. to be about this punchy season. Let's do it. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe slightly softer seasons as well. A hundred percent. And yeah. thank you so much for listening. Get those questions in on, on Twitter at what a Night Pod. Make sure you follow all the guys on Twitter as well. We'll be back again back end of the week. Um yeah, have a have a great week, everyone, and enjoy the sunshine. What a feeling, what a night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.